some things I can't really talk about, but what I can say in general is that look for a unified view of your entire ecosystem in the coming you know, months and years. Mm -hmm. um, AI is going to be leveraged to go out and collect data around your ecosystem to understand what's talking to what. And this, this is really, really helpful, not only to understand what assets you have in your environment, how they're talking to each other. And when I say talking to each other, I'm talking networked, you know, what connections do they have, what applications connecting to databases and so forth, users yeah. connecting to applications. You know, we're also going to be able to see where do we have connections into our network from a supplier or where are we federated with a supplier online? Is that supplier, you know, legitimate? Is that a, a legitimate connection or is that something that needs to be looked at? Right. Because of the, the amount of IP addressable devices and users have grown tremendously, but, you know, help desks haven't grown, you know, systems analyst teams haven't grown, mm -hmm. um, really have to leverage AI to do the bulk of the heavy lifting for us if we're going to get this. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Heads Talk with me, Elaine Pringle-Schwitter, the podcast where we talk to C-level executives, leaders of institutions and heads of multinationals. What are the current topics they talk, we listen. Can you imagine getting into a business or a market where you actually spend a hundred billion plus on a piece of paper? Are you kidding me? It was like a frying pan of the head. I got nothing against CFOs. It was not just the job of a lifetime, it was the job of a thousand lifetimes. My guest today is a cybersecurity and compliance expert. He has had more than 29 years experience in all aspects of information security, compliance, risk, and data privacy. As a specialist in the medical device safety field, he contributed to the FDA guidance on connected medical device safety and security testing, and was an active member of the Medical Device Innovation Safety and Security Consortium. We continue our new series today on Heads Talk with a conversation about the latest in cybersecurity and compliance within the cloud. But before we get into that, here's a brief message. This episode is sponsored by Axia. Axia is the leading private cloud platform in the Alessian and Matamos ecosystem, combining intelligent solutions with security and control. Axia's clients profit from digitalization and automation of critical business processes in a cloud and hybrid architecture. 150 staff provide migration, engineering, and support services to over 200 leading organizations in 32 countries. Heads Talk podcast with your host, Elaine Pringle Schwitter. Joseph Davis is the Healthcare and Life Science Chief Security Advisor for Microsoft. He works closely with Microsoft's customer security teams and regularly gives them security advice, guidance, and recommendations for their digital transformation projects. This in turn helped them securely move workloads with sensitive data to the cloud. Prior to joining Microsoft, Joseph was the leader of Accenture's Abenard Security Advisory in North America. From 2002 to 2016, as a Chief Information Security Officer, Joseph oversaw the information security, compliance and data privacy programs for two large global companies that developed and manufactured medical devices, supplies and pharmaceuticals. Some of Joseph's career achievements include speaking at events, co-writing FDA guidance on connected medical device safety and security testing, teaching information security professionals as an adjunct professor, and participating in communities such as the Open Group, ISSA, InfoGuard, 
and a few others. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Joseph to Head's Talk. Delighted to have you here today. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you for asking me to join. Excellent. Um, okay, let's begin with, with a further introduction to your role and responsibilities at Microsoft. Um, what is your chief remit? What are you currently prioritizing? Well, currently I'm working with some large pharmaceutical companies as well as uh, medical uh, device providers and medical care providers mm -hmm. and shoring up their environment. All right, okay. And you know, in the introduction, I mentioned that you work closely with Microsoft customer security teams. And among other things, you help them securely move workloads with sensitive data to the cloud. So please uh, provide an overview of Microsoft's shared responsibility model for cloud security, and how does that impact customer security um, responsibilities? Oh, absolutely. And and this goes for almost any cloud service provider. But when, when you're in an on-premise data center, like most of us were 10, 15, 20 years ago, um, you own the whole stack. So as you move to the cloud, depending on what kind of services you take advantage of, you're mm -hmm. only going to own a component. The cloud service uh, provider will own the rest. Mm -hmm. um, breaks out in the following way. If um, you're signing up and subscribing to a SaaS or software as a service platform, you're going to be um, responsible for the least amount of things. So you'll continue to be responsible for your data and your information your uh, devices and your accounts and identities and so forth. But the rest of the items that you're not responsible for in a SaaS environment would include things like identity and uh, directory infrastructure. I mean, you're, you're uh, responsible for providing that information, but the actual identity service and the directory infrastructure is managed by the uh, cloud service provider. Mm -hmm. um, application the network controls, the operating systems that these SaaS applications run on is not no longer your responsibility. And of course, you're not going to be responsible for physical hosts, networks, or the data center itself, the heating, the cooling, the power, those types mm -hmm. of things. Um, yeah. So so usually with a SaaS, SaaS is your best option with respect mm -hmm. to responsibilities. So clearly, you've spent quite a few years in that space. Um, is everyone clear on their responsibilities, roles and responsibilities? I mean, have you got case studies that suggest otherwise? I would say probably 10 years ago, they were unclear. I think as uh, companies and organizations start to move to the cloud, they're becoming mm -hmm. very, very clear on it. Um, they're going up to Microsoft has a service trust portal where we outline the responsibilities very, very clearly. Mm -hmm. um, and ultimately, when the conversation does come up today, and it does come up with some uh, organizations that have very legacy data centers and mm -hmm. have not really jumped into the cloud just yet, we sum it all up by saying you're always going to be responsible for your own data, your endpoint, your mm -hmm. own accounts, and your access management, right? Because that's not something a cloud service provider would, by law, be able to even see, right? So <laughs> when you post it on a cloud service platform mm -hmm. like Azure or Office 365, mm -hmm. um, Microsoft does not um, is not allowed to go into those tenants to take a look at what it is that you have. And so any recommendations that are made around securing that are done automatically with technologies like, you know, Security Center and things like that. So, so you know, you just touched upon it, and I, it was, especially with the increasing complexity of um, cloud environments. How do you... Um, um, assist your customers in managing security policies and configuration across their Azure resource. It, it must be an absolute nightmare for them. So what's for you, Joseph? It, it can be a nightmare if they're not utilizing the tools that they need to, to manage all of it, right? So there are tools available, either first-party Microsoft tools. In my world, mm -hmm. we call it first-party. 
it's a Microsoft tool, and third-party tools out in the ecosystem that will uh, reason both your cloud and your on-premises uh, infrastructure and resources and applications and so forth, and then make recommendations around what needs to be done to make them compliant, to make them secure or more secure, um, and just lists upon lists of things. Now, um, it's again, those tools are becoming so sophisticated that those lists mm -hmm. are easily remediated just by one click in some cases. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure in assisting organizations um, to in, in managing compliance and regulatory requirements, it must be different for specific industries such as finance and government. Do you want to talk us through the, some of the differences? Well, I haven't really worked with finance and government for the last five years because my focus has been health and life sciences. At what is the difference with the healthcare and life science that right. the others you know, don't have? I mean, the real difference comes down to, I mean, you secure a resource the same way, regardless of your environment, but the real difference comes down to compliance. Now, in the United States, we have um, some data privacy laws around medical records, um, HIPAA, high tech, et cetera. Mm -hmm. um, and then while we're manufacturing medical devices, we have some other compliance requirements to ensure that there's uh, safety and security with respect to the applications that are producing the software mm -hmm. that that are, are basically producing these devices and these supplies, right? So we, we want to protect the safety of the patient. So mm -hmm. those need to be applied in, in uh, cases of health and life sciences. All right. Okay. Thanks for that, um, Joseph. Okay. L let's move on to the sort of the theme of the, the series. Um, for my listeners, please summarize your understanding. And when I say your understanding, I put it that way, I get so many different um, definitions and answers to this question. So it'd be nice to hear from you, your understanding of next generation cloud. Well, um, I understand the definition to be, you know, anything that's going to refer to the emerging trends, the technologies in cloud computing, provide efficient, scalable, secure, you know, solutions ac across uh, any kind of platform. Um, and I think some good examples of that would be AI as a service, mm -hmm. which we have now, that's artificial intelligence as service. When I say we have it, you know, you have the Azure OpenAI and so forth. Um, and then you have different modalities of that type of technology in, in our co-pilot offerings. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, just an, an increase in connectivity between hybrid and multi-cloud mm -hmm. um, in the very early days. And to some extent today, it's, it's, it's difficult to connect these different modalities together. It's, mm -hmm. it's becoming easier and easier for that uh, to occur with, with the new developments. Um, something that really intrigues me, and I've been doing a little bit of reading on it lately, are these unikernels, which are basically, they're not operating systems, but they um, just enough code to run a specific service. And the great thing about that from a security perspective is the, the less is more, right? So the less that you have running, the, the harder it is for an attacker to take advantage or find vulnerabilities in that. So in moving from operating systems to unikernels is, is a mm -hmm. really great choice if it's um, something that you're able to do. And lastly, you know, and I, I know we were talking about this quite a bit six, seven years ago, but blockchain, the actual usage of blockchain, that distributed ledger technology that we were that's going to record transactions in a secure, transparent, immutable way, that's going to be used quite um, extensively on, in the back end. Um, not necessarily for financial transactions, but just um, verification of the, the resources that you have and making sure there haven't been any radical um, unplanned changes in your environment and mm -hmm. so forth. I think, I think blockchain is making a comeback now, isn't it? For a while, I think a few years ago, it was the thing and it sort of disappeared and now it's back, in, back again, would you say? 
Yeah, that's correct. It is, but it's it's back in a different way. We were yes. thinking about blockchain yeah. in terms of cryptocurrency, yeah. and, and you know the immutable ledger is, is something you have to have when when you're doing these types of transactions. Mm -hmm. But we need an immutable ledger with other transactions as well, like changes to a system, um, you know, any any kind of uh, encryption that occurs and so forth. Like I'm thinking ransomware. That's a good mm -hmm. example, right? So to be able to fight ransomware, you know, you have a current yeah. state, a baseline state with a particular system or service, and then all of a sudden it immediately changes and we're able to pick up on the nuance of the behavior and bring it back to the way it was before it changed. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's great. And 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 can you just generally sort of tell my listeners, how is Microsoft leveraging AI and machine learning in, in next generation cloud security to enhance the service and address emerging threats and vulnerabilities? Oh, since February of 2023, we've announced so many different co-pilots but currently, um, the, the the main focus around security is Security Copilot, and mm -hmm. Security Copilot is really that that new interface for security analysts that sits in the Defender console or the Microsoft Sentinel console. These are security consoles applications that help secure uh, organizations' environments and so forth. Um, and that interface is is fantastic for the budding analyst, right? The analyst mm -hmm. that might not be as quick with custo query language or some other kind of query language that they're going to use to try and get information out of it. Mm -hmm. um, now you can just ask with natural language exactly what it is that's happening in that environment. Mm -hmm. um, the, the other way is um, through the machine learning insights. Microsoft collects 65 trillion signals a day, you know, roughly 40 terabytes of data. And mm -hmm. to reason over all that data, all that all that threat intelligence data, we have to use uh, artificial intelligence in, yeah. in order to throw out what's not necessary and maintain and create a behavior signature, if you will, for things that we want to keep. And, and that's done at machine speed, you know, using mm -hmm. AI. Mm -hmm. But one more thing to do, on the other side, what would you say are the challenges and, and potential limitations of AI in the cloud security? Oh, so yeah, there, there are a number, right? So number one is there there aren't a tremendous number of regulations around AI. <laughs> um, that's, that's something that we have to see what the regulators do so we can comply with that. So data privacy is still an issue, um, ensuring that data doesn't, uh, private personal data or private data doesn't get shared with the foundational um, LLMs, you know, the, the large language models. Um, deep fakes are also a huge issue because, you know, now with AI and, you know, a little bit of the marrying of AI and quantum computing, uh, we're seeing the emergence of, of social engineering like deep fakes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um you know and just, just allowing ai to make unfettered changes uh to, to anything is not a good idea at the present moment because ai has a hard time distinguishing fact from fiction right ai can be gained a uh, gamed mm -hmm. and um, it, it could be used to spread false narratives and propaganda and things like that. Mm -hmm. So right now it's going to be curated by a human. We haven't really set quantum computing on the software yet so that AI could really curate itself, right? Be, you know, basically put up the, the fences and the guardrails so that it, it can distinguish the truth from fiction. And, but just, you know, just generally sell AI to me and my listeners with its use for security in the cloud. Um, for instance, the role AI play in um, anomaly detections and behavior analysis for, for cloud workloads. So it's already doing that, right? So um, every product that Microsoft has as a security or compliance product gets fed that those 65 uh, trillion signals that, that we're distilling down mm -hmm. um, 
fed that constantly, meaning so if something is seen out in the wild, um, it goes through that AI process and then it's shared that behavioral signature. I'll call it a signature is mm -hmm. shared with um, the entire ecosystem mm -hmm. so that everyone's going to be aware of it. It's it's almost like we say in America in the in the criminal justice system beyond the lookout or below. Right. So mm -hmm. it, mm -hmm. it's real. Like if you see something, if a, if a user is behaving a certain way, a certain way that they don't normally yeah. behave you know, um, and so forth, the, stop it, analyze it, you know, make sure it's, they're doing what they're supposed to be doing and, and not, uh, they haven't gone rogue on us, that type mm -hmm. of thing. The other, the other, the real piece that's uh, uh, tremendous to me, at least, is, is that being able to have a conversation with your console, instead of doing a, uh, a complicated KQL query, you're, you're basically asking it in natural language, show me all the documents that Joseph has uh, opened in the last 24 hours. Mm -hmm. Show me anything that he's, you know, copied and pasted somewhere or um, tell me all the devices he's used, right? So it's really great within an investigation. It's also great in analyzing all that signal that's coming in about everything in your ecosystem and tapping you on the shoulder saying, something mm -hmm. doesn't seem right in this transaction, right? This could be an incident. Uh, based on, you know, what I have for threat intelligence, mm -hmm. based on what this user normally does. And this is well outside of the, the range of what they're normally doing. Mm -hmm. So that's really where it excels at the moment. We have not set it up so that it actually goes out and does any kind of security automation yet, because you want to make sure that it's incredibly accurate before we mm -hmm. even start to, to uh, you know, work on that piece of it. Mm -hmm. Yes, else you reap it if it doesn't work out that way. Okay, but we know AI is here um, to stay. And um, with the, sort of the last set of questions, let's talk about the future and what lies ahead. Um, you've talked about some of the stuff, but are there any AI-driven innovations on the horizon for um, Azure's cloud security? And how might uh, you know they impact the, the future of cloud security? Oh yeah, yeah. I I was able to um, meet with some colleagues last week, and and uh, I had seen some things I can't really talk about. But what I can say in general is that look for a unified view of your entire ecosystem in the coming you know months and years. Mm -hmm. um, AI is going to be leveraged to go out and collect data around your ecosystem to understand what's talking to what. And this, this is really, really helpful, not only to understand what assets you have in your environment, how they're talking to each other. And when I say talking to each other, I'm talking networked, you know, what connections do they have, what applications connecting to databases and so forth, users yeah. connecting to applications. Well, you know, we're also going to be able to see where do we have connections into our network from a supplier or where are we federated with a supplier online? Is that supplier, you know, legitimate? Is that a, a legitimate connection or is that something that needs to be looked at? Right, because of the the amount of IP addressable devices and users have grown tremendously, but you know help desks haven't grown, you know systems analyst teams haven't grown. Mm -hmm. uh, really have to leverage AI to do the bulk of the heavy lifting for us if we're going to get this right. Right, probably have you on the show again once some of this stuff has been fully revealed and we can talk about it in greater detail. And 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 finally. Um, I asked you to summarize your understanding of next generation cloud at the beginning of the conversation. Can you summarize to the listeners your view of next generation cloud security? Are you optimistic, excited or concerned? And why, Joseph? Yeah, I'm super optimistic. Um, a little bit of concern around AI in general, but specific to uh, AI and security, I mean, it, it does that again, it does that heavy lifting of understanding what's happening, but it does it at machine speed. 
it takes a human being, you know, 10 times, 20 times longer to make those decisions and determine if something's malicious or not. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the threat actors have been using AI now for a good five, if, if not more years. Mm -hmm. um, and now it's time in order to defend our networks to start to leverage it to really do the, you know, the mundane day-to-day -day work or to connect the dots around alerts and make them true incidents and then help us with those investigations. Mm -hmm. So it's safe to say you're more excited than concerned. More excited than concerned because the concerns, they're always gonna, they're always gonna be concerns, right? We, we mm -hmm. went through this before, right? This isn't the first, um, as we say in the United States, it's not our first rodeo. We've been through this as to whether or not to connect organizations to the internet. I remember that years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, whether or not to introduce email, um, you know, whether or not to allow access to certain websites and whether or not to even move data to the cloud. So we're going to get past this. This is just a temporary, you know, because it's new and it's scary, a little bit scary to all of us. Um, it's and, part of the change process, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, it's being able to actually, once I think we, we understand it, we feel more comfortable with it, right? It's yeah. if I was to say to you, hey, uh, this afternoon, we're going to go Formula One racing, right? I've never driven one, right? So I don't, <laughs> that's going to, I'm, I'm going to be a bit anxious about that. I'm pretty concerned oh, about that. <laughs> but then once we get in there and we start, we start driving, we're going to be, yeah, you know, we're going to start to get comfortable. Okay. I understand how this works now. And it's, it's not as scary as yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. And then we'll be concerned about something else. Somewhere down <laughs> <the line. laughs> Excellent. You know, Joseph Davis, it's, it was a pleasure. Many thanks for your time and insights. Thank you. That oh, was great. I like uh, that. You know, it was quick. Um, yep. We got right to the point. Yeah. I, I like that a lot. Thanks for joining me today on this episode of Heads Talk. Don't forget to subscribe to the show via my website, elainepringle.com forward slash Heads Talk, wherever you get your podcasts. Finally, I'd like to thank our sponsors, guests, and you for helping to make the show possible. Please join me next time where I'll be featuring more executives, C-suite leaders and heads of multinational. Heads Talk Podcast with your host, Elaine Pringle-Schwitter.